On today's episode, we're talking about a part of your identity you might have never considered. Welcome to the Issues of Life podcast. Today, we're going to start off with another original game, and I am going to be the host. New segment. Yes. What? You're the host? Hey. Um, Technically, we're co-hosting here in the first place, so (laughs) we call this the Hall of Obscurity. So, here's what's going to happen. I have found a few names from the Bible, some random names, weird names. And we're going to find out if Adam can uh, identify them, if he knows who's who. So. Oh, dear. (laughs) I've only got a few. I mean, no worries. I've only got three. I've only got three. So the first name that I found, here it goes. Mm -hmm. Adremelec. Adremelec. Mm -hmm. It sounds a little bit like a prescription drug to me, but... (laughs) Adremelec. It sounds like it has the name of Molech in it, which was the... Yeah. Which was a... False idol. Might be on the right track. So I'm guessing it's definitely not a Hebrew person, but someone from the surrounding areas around Palestine. But that's as far as I can get. Adremelech was the name of an Assyrian prince who assassinated his father to take over the throne. Nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Here's the second name. We're learning things. Second name. Now this is... Really obscure. <laughs> oh, good. But I think it'll be fun. His name is Ahio. <laughs> you know, I don't know for sure who this person is, but I feel like I could get close if I said that he was one of David's mighty men. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. Though it is around the time of King David, so you're getting close there. Ahio was the brother of... Uzzah. And so both of them helped move the Ark of the Covenant from a place that it was taken to by the Philistines. They took it on a cart and rolled it into Jerusalem. And yeah. you know what happened. And you couldn't have chosen Uzzah. I mean... <laughs> so far, I'm pretty sure one of your degrees is probably fake. <laughs> wow. One more. <laughs> one more chance. Alright, here's the last one. Now this one, don't get confused by the way I pronounce it. Oh, good. Alright. That instills a lot of confidence in me. The name is... Amos. Ah. So not Amos. Yes. That would be way too easy. I'll be handing that one to you. Yes. Amos. Mm-hmm. I do know the name Amos. I know that I've read it. I know it's in there. Maybe from Isaiah 1-1. <laughs> would that then make him Isaiah's father? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Amos is Isaiah's father. Okay. And one out of three. Right there. Did good. You did good. How did you guys do? That's a good question. I would not have known any of these (laughs) if I had not pulled out the the definitions and bios. (sighs) All right. Well, let's get into what we're talking about today, and that is identity. We started this discussion last week. Who are you in Christ? Well, the question was, who do you think you are? And the answer to that, of course, is going to impact dramatically the way that we live our lives. And so instead of trying to find answers to that question in all these random places that we often search, we instead want to go right to the Word of God and instead ask something like, who does God say that I am? And one of the first things we discovered was that we are dead to sin and alive to God right there in Romans chapter 6. It's taught other places 
But we, we learned about how our relationship to sin now is, is very different from what it once was. We're dead to sin. It has no power over us. And we can live victorious, abundant lives as a result. But hey, that was just scratching the surface. There's a lot more about our identity in Christ that we want to share with you, even from this very chapter. So today we're going to talk about another concept of your identity, one that you probably haven't thought about too much, uh, because it's, it's in some ways hidden uh, by the terminology that's used in the Bible. Because uh, remember, we're, we're reading in English. That's not the language that the Bible was written in. So some words are translated a little differently than what they actually meant at, at their origin. And so the, the concept we want to tackle today is that if you're a Christian, you are a slave of Christ. Often in the New Testament, you'll see the word servant, like Paul often says, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying there, that word servant, is actually translated slave. That's the, that's the same word right there. Yeah. Almost every single time you see the word servant in the New Testament, it is the word, the Greek word for slave, with few exceptions. And, and you're right. We find it as the, kind of the preferred title, even, of most of the apostles who wrote the New Testament scriptures. Now, there are reasons why it got translated as servant, you know, because when we hear the word slave, it conjures up images that we're not comfortable with. And that was the case uh, when this English version was translated. And I know that's still even the case today. Some people really struggle with using slave terminology because of, you know, the implications in our own nation's history and the, the dark history of slavery and racism that we've had in our nation, but also throughout history. In, in every age, there have been dark spots in history, and a lot of them have had to do with slavery. In fact, there's still slavery that exists to this day. Um, in fact, some say even more slavery than there's ever been at any other time, just in different ways. And so I understand the connotation is not great, but even knowing that, even writing in the first century, which was a world built on slavery, the, the Greeks, the Romans, they would have known what it meant to be slaves, to have slaves, and even that being the case, the authors of Scripture did not shy away from using that terminology for themselves and for describing what we are as believers. Now, it's not a perfect metaphor. There are things that aren't yeah. going to cross over. I think even Paul knew that. That's why in, when he talks about it, uh, he says, I speak as a man. In other words, here's something you can understand, but know that all the implications are not the same. But there's at least enough there for us to grab hold to and say, okay, I understand what he's saying about me when he says that I'm a slave of Christ and a slave of righteousness. So we want to find out really just exactly what they were getting at when they used that terminology for us. Because the first question that comes to my mind when I think of that is, okay, well, why would they use this terminology if it's so strong, if it has such a connotation? Yeah, and because of the strength of the connotation in the first century, it was immediately known to the audience what they were talking about. Whereas we're a little bit removed from that exact kind of slavery and all the laws and things that went into it. So we have to dig a little deeper to understand. But we go right back to Romans chapter 6, and where we looked at the first half of the chapter and we saw that we were dead to sin and alive to God. The second half of the chapter introduces us to the other side of that, of that coin. We've been set free from sin, but we're not just free to do whatever we want. A lot of people will you know, interpret their freedom that way. They'll take their liberty and turn it into license. The Bible talks about that. And, and we think being free in Christ means I can do whatever I please. 
But that's really not the point. Freedom in Christ is not freedom to do whatever you please. It's freedom to do what pleases God, which is a freedom you didn't have before. So let's pick up in Romans chapter 6 and verse 15, where we find somewhat of a familiar question. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Remember the chapter started off with the question, should we continue sinning that grace may abound? And the answer was, God forbid. May it never be so. Now the question is a little bit different. Since we're not under the law as believers, we're set free from the curse of the law, the bondage of the law, then why don't we just keep sinning? Because we, we have grace and we, we live under grace. And again, we can use that as an excuse for doing whatever we want, but that's not how the Christian should think. That's the wrong, the wrong mindset, really. And so he says, no, that should not be the case. And here's why. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. In other words, there's no middle ground between slavery to sin and slavery to righteousness. And I think that's what Christ taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. No man can serve two masters. And that's what James taught us when he said friendship with the world is enmity with God. Some people think they can find themselves somewhere in the middle. But if you go on sinning after there's no reason for you to have to, you are you are willingly enslaving yourself to the old master. And the only way around that is to willingly enslave yourself to a new master. So that's how the metaphor is, is kind of built up here. Uh, verse 17 says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And I think that is really the crux of it here. That is such an important statement. And I remember a few years ago when I read it, having read it lots of times, and it just captured my attention like never before. We're familiar with this context. We quote from it all the time in the Romans Road. You know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we never really stop to consider what all Paul is saying about us here. We have been made free from sin. That's what we talked about last week. But we are now the servants, the slaves of righteousness. And maybe you've never even considered that for yourself, but that's what God says about us. And that may be hard to swallow. That may be something you don't fully understand, but it's something we need to dig into as believers. That's why I say this chapter is so important and it will really change the way you relate to God moving forward, I think. Here's what makes this slavery different than what we often think about. Because I think you've already heard Adam say it a few times, when you are saved, it says that you stop being the slave of one thing and you become the slave of righteousness, which is almost word for word what you just quoted yeah. here from Scripture. Um, but the whole concept here that Paul is dealing with is you choosing, you willfully making yourself a slave to one of those two masters. That's the difference, is that in, in slavery as we know it, slavery is forced. It is pushed upon the subject. But this slavery carries with it certain things that, we sh that we're going to talk about that definitely impact your identity. But the one thing that doesn't quite carry over is this willingness that slaves we know of, slaves don't have. You have a choice to either serve one master or to serve the other master. So that's the crux that's a little different, which may lighten the connotation that we often think, I think, about yeah. slavery. Yeah, and that is a key difference. And uh, next week, we're going to talk even more about some of the differences because the, the part of your identity we're going to talk about next week, which we won't reveal just yet, some people think is a, 
is a conflict with this. It's in contrast to this when really they work together. And so we're going to explore that even more. I think it'll be a really interesting conversation. But what are we supposed to take from the idea that we are a slave of Christ? I think the primary idea is that we are in a relationship with Christ in which we are dependent upon him, for one thing. Because the slaves in that culture especially were completely dependent upon their master for everything. For their wages, for their provisions, for their shelter, for their health, for everything. And so in that sense, we understand our relationship is that of a slave to a master. Because we can't do anything without him. Our, our authority comes from him. In fact, in this kind of slavery in the first century, there were slaves who actually worked their way up into the household and were important servants and, and could actually carry out business on behalf of the master. So you see, as you dive into the picture a little bit more, it becomes something of an honor to recognize that we have this relationship, that we are dependent upon him for everything, but that he entrusts us with responsibilities. We're stewards of his household in that sense. So there's a dependency, there's a loyalty, as believers, we're supposed to be loyal to him as our master, just as a slave would be loyal um, to, uh, to his master. But again, we're not doing it under the threat of death or punishment. It's a willingness. It's a devotion that's born out of recognizing what he's, what he's done for us. So there's dependency upon, there's loyalty to, and then there's the subjection to. There is the idea of submitting to. And that's, that's one of the the bad words of the Bible, you know, I have to right. submit to. No one wants to submit to authority. As believers, we have to submit to God's authority and to the authority of his word and those others that he places over us. So if, though, if I could wrap it up in three ideas, that would be it. As a slave of Christ, we're dependent on him for everything. We're loyal to him. We serve him out of devotion and we're subject to him. We are uh, submissive to him. And so picture it that way. See if that helps you to really begin to understand what it means. And in Deuteronomy, um, there's actually a portion in the law that Moses is giving to the whole nation of Israel where he actually deals with this concept of a willing uh, servant, a willing slave. Because in their culture, if someone was indebted to somebody else, then you would work for them to pay off your debt. But after every seven years, that debt was erased. Every seven years, um, they were to let their slaves free. But some people realize that, you know, the person that I've been serving for seven years, I'm, I'm better off with them. Yeah. Like I, I'm provided for, I have meals, I have a, a roof over my head. And so there are many people that chose, you know, after these seven years, I still want to be your servant. I still want to work in your house. But that's the idea of this willingness to be a servant to a master. We are freed from our slavery to sin, free from that slavery to our, our flesh, and now we have the willingness, the choice to put ourselves under the subjection of God. But in this way where we, we desire to, yeah. we are loyal to him. And definitely these, these authors like Paul would have understood the Old Testament law thoroughly and had, would have studied it. And so they pull in these ideas of slavery from the, the Hebrew world mixed with the first century. And it, and it creates a picture that really, um, it really does follow suit with what we think about in our relationship with Christ. Just remember what the Bible says about us. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We belong to him, and we're supposed to live for the glory of our master. And that's not derogatory in any way. It's not offensive to me in any way. It's an honor to serve in that place. And so I hope maybe, though you've never considered it, or maybe tried not to consider it because you don't like the idea, I hope you begin to understand how important it is to recognize that that's a real 
part of our identity as believers. We're slaves of Christ and we're honored to be, or at least we should be. Next week, we're going to talk again about a new part of your identity, one that some might think cancels this out, but in fact, it doesn't. Together, it creates a beautiful picture. I can't wait to talk more about that, but that's all the time we have for today's episode. We hope you've learned something. We hope you've been encouraged, and please, if that's the case, take some time to comment, like, subscribe, and share this video with others. 